All right, so I don't know about you guys, but this is probably one of the coolest venues that we've had the opportunity to shoot She Boss in. And I am joined by Georgina Cross, who is an Amazon best-selling author. What? I don't like, know. It's just insane. Somebody made it up. No. <laughs> You'll take it, right? Yeah, we'll take it. So we typically do She Boss series over a cocktail. And um, she, you can't see behind us, but we have a, a, a wall of bourbon, thanks to her husband. And uh, so we're doing today's interview over Basil Hayden. So cheers. Cheers to you. This is my first time drinking it, and it's pretty tasty, I got to say. It's my Not favorite. Too I'm going to make Megan a convert. She's on her way. It's really, really good. So anyways, thank you so much for carving out time. This is seriously just amazing. So, uh, so Jordina and I have been friends for quite some time, mm -hmm. but she is a bit of a staple in this area. And so many people know about you through a variety of different things. Um, but most recently you've branched out and you are an amazing author and create these suspense books that like people can't put down. And it's insane because talk about a transformation of going from working in the corporate world to working for the chamber and doing workforce development and, and doing all these really cool things. And now you're, you're an author. I feel like you're like this chameleon. You've just sort of like mm -hmm. transformed yourself a little bit. So before we dive into the books, like start, start from the beginning, kind of give us a little bit of background about you and your journey and how you got here today. It is a long journey. So I don't know how long we have, but um, the, the biggest thing I want to tell people is, is writing books, it's, it's not an overnight thing. No one becomes this overnight success as you know, you might hear it. It's a lot of work. And, you know, as you said, I was working in the, um, the corporate world for a long time and I started off in TV news in Huntsville. That's what brought me here was at channel 48 news and um, was on a two year contract. And I think the entire time I was working and then went out into marketing and then the chamber of commerce, I knew deep down what I really wanted to do was write. Yeah. And so, um, I had written when I was a kid. I, you know, a lot of the typical stories you hear about authors, we started writing when we were children, we wrote in high school, but it was always kind of like a hobby. Yeah. And did I, you study journalism? I did. Okay. And because there was a part of me that was like, as much as I loved reading and loved writing, I didn't think I could make it wasn't guaranteed I could make a career out of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It wasn't guaranteed. And I thought, well, I'm going to college. I'll get my degree in journalism because at least that's a paycheck. Not a huge paycheck, <laughs> but you know, there's so much work. There's, there's a lot. There's so much hustle involved. They're with like, that. we'll pay you ten dollars an hour. No. And so um, <laughs> you have to really love what you do. Yes. Yeah. And but as many of us do, we're in TV news, and we'll roll out. We'll go into marketing, communications. We'll do PR. Um, and I ended up landing in an aerospace defense contractor and I did marketing for them, but I did proposal work for them. And it really just showed me this other business side, which I think added layers to me in terms of what I can tolerate, what's good, what's bad, um, how to act in certain environments. It was also a really good case study of individual personalities. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right. Well, so the whole bit. time, you know, I'm like kind of clocking stuff in my head of stories. You know, we're not to make people paranoid because I've had neighbors say, oh my God, am I in your book? Because, <gasps> because you identify someone and then turn them into a character that, oh, and you know, I had a really good girlfriend of mine who called me and said, am I, you know, so-and-so in the book? And I was like, well, the fact that you even picked up on that, you know, maybe there's some sort of personality trait, but I, I think what ends up happening is we are observers. 
So like we were talking before the camera started rolling and I am listening because I'm so enraptured. Like I want to know everything about you. Not that I'm going to put you in a book, like don't freak out, yeah. but it's, it's the interesting personality traits of, of all humans. And yeah. so we'll kind of library catalog them in our brains. And maybe when we write, we think that's a trait I want to put in, or that's this career I want this character to have. She has her, runs her own company, right? Um, or there's a nasty person who's really mean to me one day in the yeah. neighborhood, and now she might feature one of my books. I don't know. And so, <laughs> it, it, stay tuned. Right, it's those kind of things. Um, but I, I just, I knew that I always wanted to write, and then four years ago, I really sat down and said, okay, like if I'm gonna do this, I need to do this before I'm too old, yeah. um, before I regret that I didn't try to make it serious. And so I, every single weekend, that was it. It was like Saturday and Sunday. And people ask all the time, you know, what, what's the biggest advice you can give to, to writers? And I say, you just have to make it a priority. Yeah. And I think it's a hobby. Yes. It's never going to cross the line that it needs to cross. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having hobbies. Right. And I think for a lot of writers, poets, screenwriters, um, journaling is another way of expressing yourself. But for me, I just, I wanted to have a book published. And yeah. so for me, it was, okay, every Saturday and every Sunday, every single morning, I didn't see friends. I didn't, you know, David and I were dating the time. He knew we wouldn't see each other until dinner. Maybe, maybe. Wow. Um, he was really patient. Um, and my kids knew, like, if the door was shut, mom was in there working and, you know, go make your own waffles, go feed yourselves. Yeah. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did for like four years. And in the meantime, started getting these books finished and got the agent and she sold my books for me. That's insane. So I have a question for you. Yes. So was there, was there any sort of like turning point or catalyst that it was like you woke up one day or had this revelation? It was like, today's the day. Like it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like did something happen that really shifted it from being something that you always thought about to something that you physically did? You know what I mean? Like. Mm -hmm. That's or a great did it just sort of question. just sort of unfold over time or that's a great question. Yes. I think, you know, I've never really, I've never been asked that question before. Um, yeah, there were definitely moments at my former job and this was before the chamber of commerce. So when I was in aerospace and defense and thought this is in no way close to being creative mm -hmm. at all. Like I felt my creativity like sucked out of you every just day. Just sucked out of me. And, yeah. But it was, again, an amazing job. The pay is far better than TV news, um, far better than a lot of the marketing jobs. And I had this team that I learned so much from, right? Yeah. And I, I really think that they helped me. I don't think that I could have written what I'm writing now in my 20s. I just didn't have the maturity level. I hadn't been through enough damage, mm -hmm. right? Like, I just didn't have enough life experience to to feel comfortable and write. And not to say that 20 year olds can't write books. Some of yeah. the most amazing authors are in their twenties and their debuts are, you know, killing it. But for me, I needed that. And I just, there were definitely days where I thought I've got to leave here because I don't see myself doing this for another year, let alone 10 years. Yeah. The idea was just scary to me. Yeah. Well, and I think there's something to be said around, um, you know, I think, I don't know, I may be wrong, but I feel like you reach a certain point in your life or there's a turning point or there's something that unfolds that oftentimes will sort of trigger that. Is this, is this it? Is this what is going to define me, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward and mm -hmm. whether it be a job or it be a relationship or it be something else. And it really makes you question 
your purpose a little bit, yeah. you know, like, yeah. um, so, I mean, even though a lot of the experiences are good ones, they certainly help kind of craft just as much what you don't want your future to hold versus what you do, yeah. you know, which is, which yeah. is a very good thing. Yeah. It's a very good thing. So along the way, um, you've also started something called Susie's wish too, mm -hmm. which I would love to learn a little bit more about because I've seen this in the past and I think it's amazing. And, um, the simple fact that you started something like this, um, which some people may not know about. So I just, I find that to be yeah. Just so inspiring. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, Susie. Um, yeah, love Susie. So she was best friend of mine, and she worked in TV news too. So go TV news. Um, and she, we found out when she was 34 that she had cancer. So this is, it's been more than 10 years ago that she passed. Um, but when her cancer spread to her lungs, we knew we didn't have much time left. So one of her final wishes, especially toward the end, was um, she wanted to go somewhere. She wanted to go to the beach and put her toes in the sand. Well, this was like November, December time frame, And Susie had a very fun personality. So this was very typical of her to be like, hey, 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 you know, and I'm being yeah. a pain in the butt. Because we were like, where are we going to take you in November, December? Yeah. That's warm enough. We have to, like, get out of the country and go south. It's so expensive. And she was like, I'm just such a pain, but you're going to make it happen. <laughs> So we had fundraisers. I mean, I literally had bid sheets that were like, you know, pay money for Susie's Cobra because her insurance was about to run out. You know, pay money because we're going to take her to the beach. We had somebody buy our plane tickets. We had um, a house that was donated to us in Cozumel. And the day we were supposed to leave, um, she was rushed to the hospital. She had to have an emergency blood transfusion. And last time I talked to her, she said, go you guys go. Um, they're going to keep me overnight. The doctor thinks I'll be fine. My mom will fly with me tomorrow. And there was just something I think inside of all of us that thought this just doesn't feel right. But we went anyway, we had the tickets. Um, and that night she passed away. Oh my God. And so we got the call. We were in Mexico. We, we flew back. And so it just, it struck me that even with all the means that we had, and the TV news, because she was at WWL in New Orleans. So, you know, they're having huge fundraisers for her. Even with all the connections we had, we couldn't get her to the beach in time. We couldn't meet her final wish. And I thought, there are these families out there that are even worse shape. Yeah. Um, there's no one to get their medications. There's no one to take them. And, and if they did have a final wish for a place to go, like, who's going to bring them? Yeah. So I went to Hunspa Hospital, and we talked for a while. And I said, I want to do this. And then I kind of hit a wall where I was like, grief. You know, you go through that yeah. adrenaline rush yeah. of when to make change the world, yes. make everything happen. And it yeah. was just the adrenaline rush of weeks and months of like planning her medications and planning because yeah. we now we were doing experimental chemo, so we were traveling everywhere. Oh, um, and we just worked, we took a vaccine and said, okay, no. But it was Leadership Connect. So once I got into Leadership Connect, we had to have a project. Oh, yeah. So you did Connect. I'm in flagship now. You're in flagship. Did you do yes. Connect? Okay, so no. you went straight to like big management groups. Ah, you're like with the big dog. Okay, so I did the Baby Connect class. So we were class 17, and I, I don't know how flagship is, but you have to have a project. Small project, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I just threw it out there, and I was like, I was thinking about this thing called Susie's Wish. Like, I mean, I had the idea from the, yeah. the name for it from the very beginning, and um, there were five or six pe six people that said we either have a loved one that passed or we just feel really strongly about what you're doing yeah. and we want to join your team. So when you get like six A-type personalities, oh, yeah, yeah, 
you have to make it happen. Yeah. So, and then we had to make it happen to graduate the class. Mm -hmm. so, so hence, Susie's wish for born. Oh, I love um, it. I love it. And we just sent a patient in June, but we had, we, we stopped last year when COVID really hit. Yeah. We sent this one patient in June and then we've shut down the rest of the year. Yeah. So now what we do is we give, um, money to the board members and they pick a charity because we know a lot of the nonprofits got hit too. Yeah. And they're not having as many donations. Um, and we received enough donations. We were lucky that we're now kind of paying it forward. Yeah. So eventually we'd like to start sending people to the beach again next year. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so great. Thanks. Well, and I think, I don't think that you realize, um, how much, I mean, I know that sounds silly because so many people are impacted by cancer, but unless you're directly seeing things unfold, you don't really know about those, those little things that people can't do, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, we, we had a chance to listen to, um, I'm going to forget her name. The woman who founded Mary McCall not that long ago. Yeah. And she was talking about, is it Allison? Allison Jane? Deborah. De Deborah. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, but she was talking about with her, with what they do, you know, they, they help um, special needs get into mm -hmm. performing arts and it's, it's all inclusion. And, um, but one of the things that she talked about was like, you never realize how, um, you know, how, um, left out individuals are because of their circumstances mm -hmm. until you're one of those individuals. And you never realize the hardships that you go through when, when you have something like cancer or, or anything else for that matter. Um, so to be able to see it firsthand and react to it firsthand and be able to, you know, fill some of those voids, yeah. um, you take for granted the little things in life, like putting your toes in the sand, yeah. you know, that you don't get yeah. a chance to And do. I think for, this is how it was with Susie too. We just, when she said, I think I want to go on this final trip. We didn't want to hear it. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear that. Cause right. thinking, like it's not your final trip. Yeah. You'll we're be, thinking yeah. we still have months with you. We still have weeks with you or there will be some miracle experimental drug and we're flying yeah. you to Boston every weekend. So something clearly is going to work. And then I think she just became more and more aware. Um, and we planned her funeral and we, um, she was part of planning her own funeral. We went to, as soon as we came back from Boston, she, oh my gosh. we went Did to dinner know? and she, you know, she's a reporter, she's a journalist. Yeah. So she busts out her notebook and, she said, okay, this is what I want. And I'm, I remember trying to eat, like, I think it was like a chicken Parmesan and kind of trying to not to, you know, vomit at the same time and <laughs> looking at her. And, and she said, I just, um, I need you to know what I want to make it happen. So the yeah. flowers, I mean, we went to the funeral parlor, we picked up a coffin. It was horrible. Oh my gosh. But she was like, this is, um, this is what's going to happen soon. And it did unfortunately happen, you know, less than a month later, but we just thought there are so many families out there who just don't know when that final trip and because you're so busy with getting them to the hospitals and all the yeah. treatments, you run out of weeks. And that's what happened with us. We just yeah. sort of ran. And I was like, nobody, nobody can go yeah. do that again. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's what we, Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. I think that's amazing. Thank you. I think that story is pretty awesome. Thank you. And the fact that you, had an idea like that that Thanks. can impact people on such a deep level. And it's, it's not just, just me. There are 13 board members. Yeah. But it's, and it's some leadership. Yeah. But it's in leadership. Leadership Greater Huntsville is amazing. L35 flagship, yep. best class ever. As, as next class 17 says. is the best class ever. Because <laughs> like, we also came out with Rocket Chef. Our group, oh, I mean, it wasn't my group, but our class also came. So I was like, wow, our class is pretty... 
So wow, y'all's management class, <laughs> we got to step it up. <laughs> I know. Well, they start talking about the projects. I'm like, there is some serious pressure to yeah. like, come on. I mean, and I'm all about it. I'm yeah. all about it, but well, it's um, a type personalities in the same room. Oh, for sure. For sure. Everybody's wanting to make things happen. So, yeah. um, but it's going to, it's really exciting and not to, not to derail, but I, I was blown away at how, um, how much a lot of the small group projects haven't been publicized in the community. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't, I never even knew about all of these amazing things. And not that it's about a pat on the back all the time, but there's definitely an opportunity to showcase what all these amazing people have done in our community with their small group projects, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so that's not for another time. Yeah. I think there's definitely an opportunity to, um, to, sh to showcase that a little bit more as part of the amazing things that leadership Huntsville is yep. doing here. So, mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about nanny needed. The, um, the writing part, I do. The writing part. <laughs> so I will say that um, Georgina and the Flourish team definitely have a shared love of all things suspense and murder. And yes. yes. So every, we have our newsletter and it's like what we're reading, what we're watching, and it's all murder documentaries. I noticed that. <laughs> But every week we're like, we should probably think about something else to, no. to read, but no, because it's just so good. So, and my daughter is the same way too. Okay. Like she, she had the, her bookshelf is just filled on, on documentaries about psycho killers and mm. yeah, she, she's just obsessed with it. It's great stuff. So it's just fascinating. It is fascinating. And it's, it's a page turner. You don't want to put mm. it down. You can get through it really quickly. Um, but this book in particular, uh, is, is Georgina's most recent book. Um, and so I honestly, I want to geek out over your creative process and like understand where you get your inspiration from, how you physically, no pun intended, but like put pen to paper. Like how do you pull together your ideas and come up with, with the story? And, and what does that creative process look like for you? Oh gosh. Like, these are peek inside these the brain. These are great questions. These are great questions. Um, peek inside the brain. So I read only suspense. That's a lie because I'm reading Sally Rooney's latest book, um, Beautiful World, Where Are You? So every once in a while, I'll, I have to read like a really Change good literary fiction. Like clean out to your mind yeah. a little bit. Yeah, because Sally Rooney, yeah. you just read her stuff and you're like, this is the most beautiful writing I've ever read in my life and I don't think I can ever do what she does. But um, but I read a lot of suspense and I watch a lot of suspense. So I, yes, because your newsletter is like, y'all are like, Mayor of Easttown and um, <laughs> The Night Stalker. I remember reading this. Yeah. So those are all the shows I watch. But you know, looking back, because my husband and I were talking about this recently, and I was like, you know, looking back, back in grade school and in high school, I think I was, even though I read a lot of women's fiction, there was always this appeal for, like, horror movies. And I don't write horror, right? but I can watch horror. Like, we will watch scary movies all year. I bet you are speaking the language. I'm the same way. Like my daughter, Madison, is obsessed. Like unless it's horror or something, like that's the only thing that she watches. Ethan shaking his head. Love, like the scarier the better. And I have my I have my blanket, you know. And I'm just like, ah, you know. And I just I I love it. So what's like, what's a good? You also tell me a good one that you guys have watched recently too. I mean, Clickbait was a, oh I'm watching that right now. Netflix. Yeah, it's that's good. great. Um, really so I can't watch. Um, well, I can't read a lot of horror. So Stephen King, I can handle. There are a few horror books I can handle, but it's more the psychological suspense, especially yeah. next. I'm writing it. Yeah. And Dean Koontz is a good one. Dean Koontz is him. great because yeah. at least there's, there's like, it's, it's gritty, but it's so well-written yeah. and short, punchy sentences. Yes. But, um, yes. but yeah, I think in my thirties when I was really thinking, okay, this needs to go from a hobby to if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it before I'm too old. Yeah. Um, and that was the goal I had for myself. And so I thought, okay, 
if I'm going to finish a book, I think the only way to finish a book is if it's suspense because I have to end it. There has to be yeah. a mystery that's solved. Um, I have to figure it out for myself, which means I have to finish it for the reader. And with women's fiction, I found myself waffling. Like I would go here and sometimes I felt like the stories could just go on and on forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe that was just part of my brain pinging and saying, you need to be writing suspense since you watch all that stuff yeah. anyway. Yeah. Okay. She's having another sip, which means she really, she likes it guys. She likes it. So I was waiting. I was like, I wonder if she's going to have another sip. Um, and so then with, with suspense, at least I thought, okay, this is something I enjoy reading, watching already. Why don't I try writing it? And I started creating folders on my hard drive of just different ideas I had. I can always picture the beginning and I always visualize the end. So I was on a panel discussion at a conference in Nashville called Killer Nashville. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Other people are like, that is really strange. But no, that's awesome. No, it's called Killer Nashville. Yeah. And so there was this author, she's a big time author, JT Ellison. She's sitting on the panel with me and she does not know her endings. She does like not. She starts writing and then the ending just sort of. And she does her. not write linearly. Like I write chapter one all the way till the end. Now if oh. there's, there are flashbacks. I will leave a hole and maybe go back. I did that with the missing woman. I'm doing that actually now with this latest book too. Um, she, it was a, so interesting to listen to her. She writes different chunks and then she rearranges them later. And then eventually she figures out the ending. Now I think because TV news and the way our brains are geared in journalism yeah. Yeah. and maybe just my like OCD behavior, that <laughs> one step one, step two. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, no, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> and so, but I also know authors who write different points of view and I've done that as well. In fact, all of my books for the most part, except for one have different points of view, but I also still write them chronologically as the story's happening. But I know authors who will write all of Mary's parts and then they'll go and write all of like the little kids parts. Gotcha. gotcha. And that just, I'm like, but how are you? Yeah. So it's just, it seems much more challenging to do that, but they are on a different plane. I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> Creatively, they, their process is just different. Yeah. different. And you know, people do storyboards. So I don't do storyboards. Um, my process is pretty simple. Uh, maybe as I write more, I might have a more sophisticated process. I don't know, but so far it seems to be working okay. I think you just need to do whatever works for I you. Know, I think that I know. mean, and if it's going to generate books like this, you just keep I, on doing you. I think like, be okay. there's no need to change anything. Except there is, you know, I think maybe if I planned more, the editing and revising wouldn't be as painful later. Mm -hmm. So because, so I plan, I, I do plot. I've learned painfully um, that I need to plot, but I don't do these extent. Like I know authors who do hundred page outlines and character developments like, you know, Mary, everything about Mary, the car she drives, her job, what she looks like, her quirk. I mean, huge character developments. Um, and you don't do that. I will write bullet points. So okay. my outlines are very bullet point. She had this Honda Civic at this part in the story, but then she switched. So that I can remember and I can flip and, you know, they're all in like heading formats yeah. on the word doc. Do the characters, um, do you often find that they evolve and change as you go yeah. throughout that? So you don't like come up with who they are and then place them like they sort yeah. of, okay. I know the main the people and then characters sometimes will come up like in the missing woman, another character just kind of came up from out of nowhere and he ended up becoming a huge red herring and was a huge part of the story and I never envisioned he just showed up. 
Um, in this latest book I'm writing, there's a dog that just showed up. And, and I was I bet like, it's the little things that just kind of peak that, right? Guess, like they just sort of happen. I guess. I don't know. I just felt like they're just needed. It's weird because you're writing and you have a general sense of where you want the story to go, or at least I do. And I thought, well, just I think there needs to be this particular change. Um, and so, yeah, I'll do like a brief character development and I'll add to it over time. So there's headings. I can quickly look in the viewfinder and see, okay, these are the, and then I do every chapter bullet points. So these are the main things I want to happen in each gotcha. chapter. And this is how I want the ending. The middle though, it's amazing. At some point, like that outline, just, I have it kind of printed and it's out on the floor. I might occasionally look at it, but the middle can kind of do this. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, because I know once the editor gets her hands on it, it all gets changed. And so what, tell me edited. So a lot of people don't see behind the scenes of what goes into creating something like this. So what, once you, you get a draft over to your editor and mm -hmm. then, then what unfolds at that point? So, um, do you, do you she, like freak out when you hit send on that? No, or, it's almost like, or is a, like a, like it's burst a, a child. Yes. It's like a sigh of relief of I'm throwing this over the fence. Dear God, I hope they like it. Um, and oftentimes because they, they sign you on contract, they have bought the idea. So before they buy oh. the idea, you have to have a, so you have to like sell the concept and then the, oh, interesting. so with nanny needed, I had the entire book written. She, my agent sent it to several editors and in less than a month, we got the phone call. So she had flown through the book at Penguin Random House, bought it. And, but I'd also sold two other books to another publisher. That's why I'm with two publishers. That's why I have so many books coming out wow. so fast. Well, that's another thing that I wanted to ask you about. Like, how the heck do you knock books out so quickly? Like, that's insane to me. I don't sleep. No, that's not true. I do sleep. I sleep every night. Sleep is really important to me. I go to bed so early. David's like, you're so boring. Um, oh, I get that though. I right? get it. Oh, I'm all about my sleep. Well, yeah. You're so tired. Uh, well, and your brain, I think, I think you and I are very similar in that even when I'm sleeping, my brain is still going a hundred miles a minute. Yeah. I mean, I wake up and I feel like I've had a marathon of experiences right. that are so bizarre, but I, you know, getting rested sleep in that regard is something that is just so important. So it's critical I, yeah, it's or your day is ruined. Ruined. Yes. It's ruined. Ruined. Yeah. And then you can't wait to go to bed. I look forward to sleep. Like sleep going to bed is one of my most favorite times. And I feel really selfish. Saying no, that. like it's the best. It's the best yeah. time. Yeah. You, no, we're exactly the same. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, to answer your question, it's because I was writing every weekend while I had my full-time job. Um, and so while Rachel, my agent was trying to sell the books, what you do is while you're waiting, you write another book. That's what they tell you. Don't ever just sit around like just totally because yeah. it's like selling a house. It's so painfully slow and every day feels really, really awfully slow when yeah. you don't hear anything. Yeah. So they say, distract yourself, write another book. So yeah. I wrote another book. Um, that's how I had like three come out so quickly. Gotcha. It's not cause I'm such a fast writer. Although I think you are a fast writer though, compared to Maybe. Not that I like I'm a, I'm a, but I mean, I see, yeah. I'm starting to slow down though. I'm very, <laughs> I'm starting to get very tired. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I wrote, so in a year I published three books. So the stepdaughter, wow. then the missing woman, the nanny needed, I was hired to ghostwrite a book. That's how I was able to leave my wow. chamber job. Ah. So I was looking for part-time work at the time. Cause I was like, I don't know how I'm going to stay at the chamber and meet these contractual deadlines because yeah. I had two editors 
right? Two publishing houses kind of going, eh, we need. Wow. And so that's a, that's a big demand it, of you. And, and I was time. like, I don't know how I'm going to do this and still be a, a yeah. person that is likable. <laughs> like a good mom, that, like good partner. That my family wants to be <laughs> They actually want to have dinner with you. You know, they're not like, go back in your hole. We, don't want to talk like, we need to find a solution because you're going insane. So yeah, so we, um, <laughs> we, um, this, I was hired to ghostwrite and she said, you know, I'll pay you for this six month period and write my book for me and I'll work with you on all these interviews. So that was, it was like the wow. most brilliant. So I turned in her book last November. Then I turned around and wrote another book and turned it in February. Oh my gosh. And then start writing this latest book. Um, that's based in Oregon. Yay, Oregon. Um, and can you share the name of it or no? Right now it's tentatively called one night, one night, one night. Is there a murder involved? Oh, of course. <laughs> I love it in Oregon. Yeah. So do you, um, yes. not to derail, but like, do you go to these places for inspiration? Like, would you go to Oregon and like sit outside and allow that to help? Or do you just sort of wing it and do it based on whatever experiences you have? So, um, They've all been places I've been to. Okay. So interestingly, the stepdaughter is based in Twickenham because I felt like this neighborhood just down the street from us. I yeah. know there was something about, it was just the homes and the families and oh, um, yeah, the history. I felt like it was ripe for, yes. for some sort of drama and death to ensue. <laughs> and so that worked out perfectly. Um, and, per, and it was just a great setting because of the way yeah. I, I described the house. And then Missing Woman, I don't know why I just thought Hampton Cove, my former neighborhood, um, it was also ripe for there to be drama and murder yeah. to, you know, oh, yeah. just, why not just a little bit of drama and murder in <laughs> any city. And that's why like, my neighbors got nervous. Like, they're right. like, you're moving in and now you're going to write about us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so in the missing woman, um, the house that's like, you know, there's, the, there, there are definitely, there's definitely that section of Hampton Cove that's the much bigger homes. Yeah. And I exaggerate in the book, like fully exact, the waterfall entrance, um, I've changed it up a little bit. And, but basically in this fictionalized Hampton Cove, there's a section of the neighborhood that's a lot uh, more affordable and everybody's dual income, um, but it's more cookie cutter kind of houses. Yeah. And it's based on my old house. Like that's my old kitchen. That's my blue moon beer that they're sitting around drinking, trying to figure out what happened to the woman. Um, the nanny needed book is, was inspired by when my sister lived in New York. And so we'd go visit her. She lived there like 12, 13 years. So when we'd visit her, we'd just go on these long walks and that's the best way to see the city, to see yeah. any city really. And we'd end up in upper West side, New York. And I'd look up at the penthouses and I was like, huh? You see the nannies everywhere. And you see, see the nannies everywhere. everywhere. The, yep. Yep. And I always thought, there's got, like, are they really happy? You know, these, because some of these penthouses are three, four stories tall. Yeah. In the one building. And I thought, maybe they are, but what if they're not? Mm -hmm. And I just, this idea kind of percolated in my head. So that's nanny needed. Um, so that's based in New York City. And then the, the books that I'm turning in, hopefully soon before my editor gets mad at me because I'm late. Um, that was based on a house that David, she, he flew us to Oregon. We were with his family. We rented a house so everybody could stay in the one house and it's overlooking the Pacific and there's these trails. And I was like, Oh, this place is rich for a storyline, huh? Rich for a, death. a storm <laughs> and the power goes out and all this chaos. But that's not, you know, of course our family, it was sweet. We it was played right. like board games, <laughs> but like, you're just looking at this dual 
you know, vision of what's unfolding, right? My oh, poor family, they're like, we were sitting around, you know, watching a movie and you're sitting there, there you picturing are. this, like, you should die like this. <laughs> this person's going to bang on the door in the middle of the store. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's the way your brain works though, right? These days. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my kids, my kids have to tell me like to just slow my roll when, you know, they're talking about schoolwork and something comes up and I can geek out over marketing. I'm like, you should have a logo for that. And we yeah. should come up with, and they're like, no, you know, and you, you forget, like sometimes you just cross your wires, you know, cause you're always thinking about different things, which I would imagine yeah. is very common for yeah. you. Well, especially with your brain. I mean, it's, it's always right. Yeah. Always. But I could, I could imagine you just walking through the grocery store and just seeing someone who is so, such a character. This is a first, this is an exclusive cause I haven't even pitched it to my editor. <laughs> She's going to be like, what? Because back to what you were asking earlier, yeah, I mean, they buy you, they buy the idea, you have to pitch a concept. So they'll ask for a three or four page synopsis. Um, sometimes if you're ahead of the curve, it, the whole book is written. But once you're contracted by a publisher, you're at a point where they're like, okay, we know you can write, right. we know we can, you know, edit and afterwards. Um, so just write us these synopses and then we'll pick. And I've had some that have been rejected, but there's an idea, and I've talked to my agent about it, that's inspired by this house in particular. Oh, I could see that. Especially all these different rooms. Yes. Okay. Yes. And my stepson, so I have two stepsons and the second oldest stepson, we had a conversation at dinner and I was like, yep. And we both just thought of this it, and it's such a cool idea. And I, I can't, I, it's funny because I'm trying to finish this book now, but I've already been thinking and daydreaming and going to sleep and I'm picturing it. Um, I already see the ending. I definitely already see the beginning, the middle. I've got to figure it out because I haven't done the outline yet, yeah. but I haven't sold it to her yet either. So I think I need to turn in nanny needed, you know, she's happy. I need to turn in this next book to her, let her edit that for months on end and then get on and the then next. Sell. But the next book I think will be super, this is cool. Your home, and we'll get to see some shots of this for sure, has um, story and drama written all over it, but in the best kind. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, by the way, we're sitting in Georgina's home right now. Um, this happens to be part of her home, and there's history every single place you look. I should um, put a pub in the book, too, shouldn't You I? should. You should. And it'd just be the place, the escape mm -hmm. room, if you will, you know? But there's so many, I think there's so many beautiful storylines, you know what I mean? Like, even what's up here, you know, like these. Yeah. Just to hang glasses, to hang glasses. So, so the previous owners, they had, um, every single peg had its own beer sign. And so what David wants to do, and again, we bought this house right before COVID, is have our friends, some of our friends have started, everybody bring their own glass oh, and they leave it or sign, there. and they always leave it here. Yeah, I love it. Isn't yeah. that great? It's great. And then when they I come over, um, but because of COVID and, and now we've turned into more like bourbon sampling. Um, when people come over, we haven't been doing as much beer, but people have to start bringing their own glasses. Right. And that'd be fun. Right? I love that yeah. concept. It's David's pub. I love it so much. But it's really my pub too. He just, you know, I just <laughs> let him think that it's, <laughs> I just let him think it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> this house is absolutely gorgeous. Thanks. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I am so excited for you. I know we haven't known each other that long, but I feel like met you at the chamber and then all of a sudden you're this insane, successful Aww. author and all of these books ever and they speak to me so much just and even just looking at them I'm like oh my god this is going to be so good I'm going on a plane tomorrow so 
it's they're just they're those books that you know you can just sink your teeth into and get lost in I for a so. long time. Oh my gosh, yeah. I hope so. And I know I started off by saying it, but you know, rated one of Amazon's bestsellers for suspense, which is insane. And I am so proud of you. Thanks. And to say that um, you know we have we have. We have a lot of great people here in Huntsville, but to say that you are from Huntsville doing these amazing things is just awesome. I mean, it just, it's, it's awesome. So yes, thank you so much, Georgina. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And thanks for introducing me to Basil Hayden. You're welcome. She off is elevated to a whole new level. I know. All your other guests are going to be like, we have to bring our own bourbon. They're like, what is that? I know. And now that the camera's about to be off, we'll have to finish the glass. <laughs> oh, God, exactly. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Thank you.